Welcome to episode 266 of Live Happy Now. This is Paula Phelps, and this week we're talking about something that all of us have access to and all of us could use a little more of, kindness. As an Emmy-winning reporter for the ABC News, Adrian Banker has covered some of life's most tragic moments, but that's never made her lose sight of her desire to find the best in people. Her experience interviewing inspiring people, from wounded warriors to high-profile celebrities, helped her discover the power of kindness, so she's here today to talk about her book, Your Hidden Superpower, and explain how the power of kindness can transform our own lives as well as the lives of those around us. Adrian, welcome to Live Happy Now. Thank you, Paul. It's good to be with you. It's exciting to have you on the show because you have a project that could not have come at a better time. And so I wanted to start by asking you what it was that made you decide to explore the topic of kindness. Well, it was at a time in my life where I had so many things to be grateful for. You know, my career was at a great place. I was traveling all over the world, interviewing some of the most interesting and influential people in the world. And I still felt this gloominess, just that feeling like, what am I missing? And I went back to my own goal list. And I had, you know, written down various things. And one of the things I had written for years was, I'm going to write a book. And my mentor actually, I don't even know if I talked to him about my goal list, but he called me up one day and said, you know what? You should write a book on kindness. <laughs> Funny how when you put that thought out there, something happens. Yeah. And I, I thought he was off, you know, like I was like, why would I write a book on kindness? There's tons of books on kindness, you know? And he said, yeah, but you have a different perspective. So you need to write it. And I just listened, you know, because he's given me advice for so many years. I figured it's probably best to listen to him than to listen to myself complain about what am I missing. So I intentionally went on an exploration for why we feel that gloom or that dissatisfaction in life sometimes when we could sit down and write a list of 20 things we're grateful for. You know, a lot of people have gratitude journals. And I think that for me, and I speak for a group of people on the planet who had things to be grateful for, but still didn't know why we weren't contented or why we weren't hitting our stride or feeling like we were fulfilled. And surprisingly to me, the practice of kindness I had in my life was a lot more powerful than I realized. And not only that, it brought me to the fulfillment that I had been looking for. I love the way that you phrased that because for me, gratitude is a big hot button. And mm -hmm. so to hear that you came through it through a different path, that it was kindness that really does it for you. Have you looked at what it is about kindness that does that for your soul? Well, surprisingly, again, you know, because this was a quest. I had been coached in kindness, uh, mentored in kindness, had been very intentional about kindness. I think sometimes we don't realize what we have until we sit still get quiet, re-examine things. And in reflecting on the way that I was so intentional about kindness, I saw how many doors had opened because of kindness, not because of talent, not because I was tenacious. Now, I did definitely see the benefit in being you know, gifted or talented and being tenacious and having that ambition. But when I was looking at my life, I realized kindness was more a sense of identity than I'd ever known before. It was not just an action. It wasn't just thinking of others. It wasn't just helping the needy. It was truly 
who we were always meant to be. Who I wanted to be when I grew up was a kind person. Wow. And so if I could settle myself in my identity and know I am kind, not I just do kind things, I realized I knew who I was on a new level. And having that sense of identity brought me to the understanding that I had more power than I'd ever known. And I was stronger than I'd ever known with kindness. So that truly made it a superpower. I like that where you talk about I'm, it's not kindness being something that you do. It's something that you are. And it seems like that would be a huge distinction to make just on a soul level. Once you realize I am kind, I, I do kind things, but that's not what, you know, it's also I am kind. Mm -hmm. uh, that's a big shift. Yeah, I think that there's an identity crisis among a lot of us. Uh, we base our identity on what we do and who our friends are and what city we were born in. And all of those things are lovely and wonderful, but it wasn't for me enough to anchor me in myself, in my true identity. And so I thought, okay, who are you? And if I ask any person that on the street, they're going to look at me at the same look I get nine times out of 10. When I say, who are you? They don't know what to answer. <laughs> you know, they don't know what to say. <laughs> it's, it's this puzzling a question for a lot of people when I ask them, do you love yourself? And a lot of people would look at me and, and kind of shy away from the answer, but say, well, I think I'm a good person. And I, I knew it wasn't enough to be a good person and it wasn't enough to do good acts. I finally had to come to a heightened level of identity and knowing and being so that everything I did flowed out of that and not the other way around. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. And that was, that was beautifully stated that it's so simple and yet we don't, it's something we overlook very easily. Mm-hmm. One thing that you, you referred to it just a moment ago and also in your book's title is you refer to kindness as a superpower. And can you kind of expand on that? Like, how is it a superpower? Well, I mean, just knowing who you are, just that big of a shift is enough of a superpower to me that if, if that was all I got, I'd be good. You know, we could, we could just chew on that for the rest of our lives for another, you know, 100 years, I could chew on that. But for me, I... I saw how it was in being kind to other people that kindness became GPS. You know, if you're just going through the motions in life and just doing what you habitually do, you're going to have some good come to you just for the sake of which dry cleaner you go to and the fact that you did open the door for that elderly couple and you are a hard worker, right? But I wanted to know what was the difference between living life, going through the motions or going with the flow and living life with intentional kindness. And I saw in my own pattern that when I was kind to a stranger, when I stopped and talked to the person at the airport or sitting next to me on the airplane who I'd never met before, or when I was kind to a colleague who I only knew in a work relationship, but noticed their face when they had a bad day or sent signals to me of red flags, I realized that that initiation of kindness to stop and care for someone for two minutes, 20 minutes, two hours, opened up other doors of opportunity and what I call adventures that I would never have stumbled upon if I was just going through the motions. 
And I learned that kindness as a universal practice and lifestyle, kind to people you don't know, kind to people who don't look like you, kind to people who aren't your style or flavor. You know, it's like when you're in high school, were you friendly to everybody or were you just friendly to the jocks because you were a jock or were you just friendly to the nerds because you were a nerd? And, you know, even as grownups, we have these compartments of relationships where we're comfortable with a certain kind of people. But because of maybe my upbringing or maybe because of my journalistic career, I've had to meet up with people who didn't look like me, didn't think like me, didn't act like me, weren't in my circle, and it took me outside of my box. And just that alone, GPS to position me for opportunities and exploration of relationships that I never could have asked for or even thought of was so powerful. It led to other things that were fulfilling in my life, whether it was career or friendship or just being able to help somebody that I couldn't have guessed would happen. And another thing that I have found as a superpower with kindness is you develop what I say a sixth sense. You become so much more intuitive because when you use your conscience for another person's benefit, you develop a muscle memory for listening to the little voice inside of you for your own life. That is truly superpower. I love this perspective of it because it is, it's unique and it's spot on. And you're talking a lot about work and we oftentimes we think that kindness is a weakness when it comes to careers. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know people who outside of work are very kind people and I am shocked to hear what maybe their employees think of them. (laughs) It makes me think like, huh, maybe they behave a little bit differently in that workplace. And so how do we kind of get past that thinking of, you know, kindness is a weakness when we're on the job and how does it then, two-part question, and then how does it become a career game changer when you learn how to use that? Well, and two-part answer for you there. One is I wrote a whole chapter on nice versus kind. And I think that a lot of people mistake kindness with niceness. It's not the same thing. It's not the same word. It's not even the same definition. If you look up the oldest definitions of the words, uh, which I love old dictionaries and I love studying word meetings. And nice to me is something that a lot of us attempt at work because we don't like conflict at work. And we don't want people to have a problem with us because we see those people and we work with all the time. And most people on the planet uh, would prefer to avoid any confrontation. But kindness can confront You know, kindness can be something where you do have to speak up. You do have to say what you believe in. You do have to, you know, negotiate from a position of, I know who I am. And it's not just politeness, which niceness to me is being very polite, being very precise, being very exact. You know, nobody's going to know that I'm going through anything. I'm going to smile and say everything's fine. But I'm going to be very polite and say hi to everyone in the hallway. Kindness embraces and engages the whole authentic character of a person, notices when things are going off or wrong, stops someone, doesn't concern themselves with any, you know, games of people pleasing or politics in the office place, will be as equitable with the CEO of a company as with the janitor. And for me, when you're kind, it it goes back to what I said about opening doors of opportunity. I've had so many job opportunities because I was kind to someone. Number one on the job, because it builds a reputation for you. And I think reputation is something we have to get back to. You know, so much now of our job searching and job questing is like, okay, let me see what their social media account is like. Well, that's just one facet of a reputation. But we really have gotten rid of that word. We don't really use it anymore. We just say, you know, let's see what their track record is, what they've been posting on Facebook. When 
building a reputation and building kindness as something that people know you for is as strong as gossip. It spreads. People find out who you really are. And then kindness to people who are strangers. I've been kind to people and then they've helped me in a career step or giving open doors of opportunity. I mean, right now I'm speaking to a young lady who I was introduced to by my college professor who wanted me to invest in this promising young lady who now is in the working world and we're building a relationship in a different way than we would have when she was a student. But because I was kind to her one time as a student, she remembered me. That's fantastic. And you know, I know from like with gratitude, you immediately feel the benefits. It's a release. It's a a wonderful feeling that you have when you're practicing gratitude. Does kindness give you that same kind of wholesome buzz, I guess? Yeah, no, science is, has really backed this up. I don't get into the statistics of it in the, in the book. The book is more anecdotal, but in my e-course for Your Hidden Superpower, I touch on it briefly. Cedar sinai did a study a couple of years ago, and, and they talked about how when you do kind acts, it actually releases dopamine. And it gives you those like runner's high feelings, but that the maximum benefit of kindness, just like anything in life, is you do it often. I think that a lot of people are kindly intentioned, meaning, you know, they'll do something kind and they believe that kind is good. And I think that's why this book is going to resonate so well with people because we all know what kind is. Sometimes we, we fake it, but we all know what real (laughs) kindness is. You know what I mean? And it's like, oh, that makes sense. So I feel good when I do kind things for other people. Well, if you do it all the time, how much better would you feel? I think that the difference between what I've written and what I've seen a lot of other people write about kindness is that my hope is that you're so kind, it's so planned out, it's so intentional that it becomes a knee-jerk response rather than a random act. And so the more you do it, the more you continue doing it. It's that upward spiral Mm-hmm. You, you'll see the benefits and you'll know that it's something that you can't afford not to do. And for me, when I've put it into my life on my calendar in my week, just like a fitness regimen, it boosts me continuously versus just a spark. You know, that runner's high happens once when you run. Well, if you only run once every six months, then you'll get the benefits of a once every six month run. You'll feel really good once every six months and you'll lose a few pounds maybe from those calories you burn that one day. But unless you're consistent, just like any workout, just like any nutrition plan, it's not going to have the maximum benefit. That's what makes kindness a superpower is when it's consistent. And are some people naturally more kind? I don't know. You know, I've had people ask, well, not even really ask me, defend the point that they don't believe that certain people will ever be kind. They think that only a group of people on the planet is triggered for kindness or inherently kind. And then there's people who are inherently unkind. But I talk about in the book, the fact that kind, if you look up the word in the dictionary, the old dictionaries, you know, like (laughs) Noah Webster's first dictionary, Kind is thoughtfulness, it's consideration, but it's also nature, natural propensity, and determination, like genus and species. You can look that up in even modern day dictionaries. You'll, you'll see that scientific definition of the word kind. And it gave me this light bulb moment, like, aha, oh my goodness, like, oh, this is what we all are. That's why they say humankind, because we are the kind who are kind. I believe it's in our DNA. I believe we're born to be kind. I believe, again, it's the best version of you. It's the highest version of yourself. It's who you wanted to be when you grew up. It's what you want every nurse to be and every doctor to be and every 
celebrity that's your favorite fan celebrity or your favorite, I don't mean favorite fan celebrity, but your your celebrity of choice, your favorite movie star, your favorite athlete, you hope and pray that they're kind, they're cool, that they would stop and sign and autograph your jersey if you ask them to. And because of that, I have hope that anybody can be kind. And that's a great point to bring up right now because you've probably noticed there's a little divisiveness going on. (laughs) (laughs) And it's only seemed to get more accentuated in in the last couple Mm -hmm. of months. And you talk about how kindness really is the answer to this division. So can you talk about why that is and then how we can use it? Because I see a lot of people who are on one side of the fence and the other side is wrong and they can't imagine those people even think that way and they hate those people. And it's, yeah. you know, it's, it's a really interesting time. So how do we use kindness to put all this together? Yeah, I was well, I was taking a walk before we talked because I make myself a habit of walking every day just to get some fresh air. And I was thinking, you know, when it comes to empathy, is it only right to have empathy towards people who think that we should all get along? Can I have empathy for people who think that we'll never get along? And I just was reflecting on, you know, how when somebody disagrees with you, can you have empathy for that very, very different opinion? even if you think it's very negative. And I decided that the answer was yes. Because just like, you know, for me, I tell this story about a gentleman who I worked with back when I worked at my first TV station in my hometown. And he usually was very chipper, very soft-spoken. And he snapped at me with an attitude, had this scowl on his face. And my immediate gut reaction was to snap right back. But I did not. I just kept my mouth shut. And I found out later that his mother had died the night before. And I kept that story with me and I tell it all over the world because it's my new trigger. And I say new, it's been my trigger since it happened. But I tell people that just like the mechanism that causes you to remember abuse or a bad relationship by the smell of somebody's cologne or by an act that somebody you know does to you, Um, You can use that same mechanism for the positive to trigger you to compassion and empathy, even with somebody who is extremely against everything you stand for. And so anytime somebody snaps, anytime somebody's divisive, anytime somebody acts what I call a little off there or whatever, I I say, okay, somebody must have died. Somebody must have died because it helps me to have compassion. You're going to have a lot more compassion for somebody who yells at you or says demeaning things to you if you know the trauma that they have to be going through with a loved one who's died. Cause we've all lost someone that we loved. And when I had that colleague at my first station snap at me and I found out why he was emotional, I immediately forgave his response. I use this all over the world in workshops and in consulting because people tend to want to snap back, but you have to have something in your toolkit that causes you to pause because the world is high pressure now. Business is more pressurized than ever. We need people who don't just have a workbook of things that they should do and best practices. We need people who are better than just doing the job well. We need people and the world is demanding that we are kind and empathetic and compassionate under pressure. Because you can't say just anything today. And what you do say will and can be used against you, at least in the court of public opinion. And so you want to, with every tweet, with every Facebook post, you know, people have said crazy things to me and said, you know, crazy things to my colleagues. 
Yesterday, I had an incident happen where I just was like tested because somebody wanted to come up and say antagonizing things during a report I was giving on for the news. But I just, I have to remember somebody must have died. And when I do that, I would be kinder to anyone who was going through grieving because I've been through it. I would be kinder to somebody who I knew was going to die themselves if they had borrowed time. They were on their deathbed. I'd bring them their favorite meal, even if they were one of my worst enemies. Now, there's a group of people who won't be able to relate to that, but the majority of people, (laughs) they absolutely will. And they'll understand what I mean. And when you take that pause and you take that moment, instead of snapping, instead of responding, does it also quell the physical response? Because we know like when somebody snaps, you get that cortisol starts going, you feel everything start pumping. Does it also affect that? Yes. That's been my experience. You know, I can't, I haven't done any scientific studies. Maybe that's something that I'll do is I'll, I'll, I'll test people's um, responses to it. But for me, the physical is just as important as the mental. It's all connected, you know, because those stress hormones, like you were mentioning, rise very quickly. And I've used this one more recently. I tell people, don't act like it's your last day on earth. You know, we've heard that so many times to be successful. Um, I just watched a commencement by Steve Jobs, an old video of him saying, you know, I live like I don't have a lot of time left. And I, I do happen to have this goal of living a really long time. But recently, I've just flipped it to say, it's, I'm going to act like it's their last day on earth. Because I want my conscience to be clear. I'd feel terrible if somebody that that I knew or didn't know died the next day after they cussed me out or told me something unkind on social media or to my face. I would feel terrible if I retaliated and said words to them. And I wouldn't live as happy. Let's just put it that way. I would Mm -hmm. not live as happy if I had that kind of weight on my conscience. And I can't do anything to stop it. So I'm going to live with a clear conscience and I'm going to act like it's their last day and I'm going to treat them like I would with somebody who had a death sentence. And that has helped me to, again, trigger quickly without having to pull out my notes or my journal um, because you don't always have that, right? In real life, you have a nanosecond sometimes. You have a, you have a nanosecond. And I am the kind of person because of in my you know, career, my day-to-day media career, I can't afford to say the wrong thing on camera. With millions of people watching me, and I, I, I tell people this, and I, I practice it. I'm not perfect, but I do practice living like I have a hot mic on me all the time. Because wow, then we should all do that. Saying, you know what I'm saying? It, it will stop you from saying certain things if you think that everybody's listening. That's one of the chapters I write about. Somebody is always watching. If you really believe that you're valuable enough that people are watching you, you'll watch your mouth a little bit more. It just helps. It helps a lot. <laughs> I run my social media like my mother-in-law is going to read it. And I got to say, that makes a huge difference in what you post. That's good. I'm going to tell people that story too. Like Paula (laughs) Phelps gave me another tip. If you don't like the whole, you know, death thing that I talk about, (laughs) act like your mother-in-law is watching everything you do. That's good. (laughs) So you give such, uh, this has been so enlightening and I truly wish we had more time, but can you talk about how we can cultivate this kindness in ourselves? I mean, this is something you have worked on and and have done for years. Where do we start and how can we have this kind of peace and kindness? Yeah, well, the first thing is scheduling it. You know, I, I think that the goal is to not have to worry about it or think about it so you know, methodically, but I had this wonderful engineer. I was doing an empathy workshop for a company and 
he said, listen, he's like, I do my job, but I have to admit I'm not proud of it. I treat people in a way that they feel like I don't think they're important because I just am so busy. And I just, I know that I don't give people the time or the empathy that they might need. And how do I express it more intentionally? And I said, treat it like you treat your spreadsheets. Put it on a schedule. You're a very good planner. You're very methodical. Every day before you start your assignment or before you start your second or third task, send a note to a colleague just because. Tell them that you appreciate them. Put it in your phone as a reminder. I've been talking about this. We started a campaign with Good Morning America. Send people a video text message. You know, words do matter, but right now we are so longing to see people's faces. It takes you about the same amount of time to send a text as it does to send a selfie video that says, hey, I just wanted to tell you you're amazing. I can't wait to see your face. Press send. Everybody can do a selfie style video. You show that you thought of them in a different way, more thoughtful way, and you wanted to express that connection tangibly. But when we start putting it on our calendar like we would a dentist appointment, walking the dog like we would going to the gym if we can actually go to a gym right now. But you have a schedule for the things that are important to you that are nutritive, that help you to stay balanced, whether it's meditation or even just, you know, brushing your teeth, getting a manicure and pedicure. Schedule kindness just like that. And I promise you, you'll have more peace. You'll have more fulfillment and you will authentically be more connected with everyone you know. That is fantastic. If I had a mic, well, I do, but I can't drop it. (laughs) But that's what I feel like just happened here. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Paula. <laughs> uh, that was, yeah, that's super enlightening. Thank you so much for coming on and talking with us today. I really appreciate the time. That was Adrian Bankert talking about her new book, Your Hidden Superpower, The Kindness That Makes You Unbeatable at Work and Connects You with Anyone. If you'd like to sign up for her free mini e-course that includes kindness challenges and the first chapter of her book, Just visit us at livehappynow.com and follow the links. And a reminder to bring a little bit of happiness to your workday every day with the Live Happy Daily Happiness Briefing. Visit our website for a link to enable this as a skill, then start your morning by saying, Alexa, give me my Live Happy Daily Happiness Briefing. That's all we have time for today. We'll meet you back here again next week for an all-new episode. And until then, this is Paula Phelps reminding you to make every day a happy one. (music) 